Welcome to the Gutsy Wellness Podcast, where health empowerment meets heartfelt conversations. I'm your host, Dr. Mandy Patterson, functional naturopath and fertility expert. Each episode of the Gutsy Wellness Podcast is a journey through the most pressing health topics of our times, viewed through the lens of functional naturopathy and emotional empowerment. So get ready to get gutsy with me as we hop into today's podcast topic. Hey everyone, so good to be back this week to discuss five of the biggest roadblocks or barriers to success I see for couples on the fertility journey. There is so much information out there on infertility because of the number of couples that are struggling with this and it's hard to weed out fact from fiction, especially for the lay person that doesn't have the medical knowledge. The reality is that the conventional treatment of infertility is a multi-billion dollar business. And while we've made amazing strides and advancements in medical research and technology over the last several decades, we have somehow forgotten to go back to the simple yet effective foundations of health. When my oldest was born 22 years ago, he weighed a pound and 14 ounces and had an 80% chance of survival. Prior to the 1970s, most babies born more than three months premature died as reliable mechanical ventilators did not exist. I will be the first one to say that advancements in modern medicine have been miraculous, and honestly, this saved my Bailey's life. However, during his four-and-a-half-month NICU stay, I also had to step into the role of fearless advocate and vigilant mama bear, as there were many things missed by the healthcare team and his care that could have cost us his life had I not been present. It can be hard to navigate the healthcare turf in getting the care you think you deserve. My life's work and passion is to encourage you on your health and fertility journey to follow your gut's intuition and listen to your inner voice. In the second book of Timothy 1.7, Paul wrote that God gave us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I believe that this piece of scripture is timely in this discussion for today. As we revisit history in the medical marvels, the first IVF baby, Louise Brown, was born in 1978 and IVF has become the most common standard care treatment for those struggling with infertility. Presently, over 9 million babies have been born worldwide as a result of what we call assisted reproductive therapies or ARTs. ART basically includes all of the different types of infertility treatment that you've likely heard of if you've been dealing with infertility. And that includes in vitro fertilization, which is the most common, ICSI, intracytoplasmic sperm injection, GIFT, gamut intrafallopian transfer, PROST, pronuclear stage tubal transfer, tubal embryo transfer, and zygote interfallopian transfer. These procedures are a very large medical business in an industry but they have really enabled an incredible number of parents to achieve a pregnancy who perhaps would not have been able to do so otherwise at all, which is an incredible blessing of modern medical technology. The unfortunate trade-off is that these procedures to varying degrees increase the risk of a number of negative outcomes, including birth defects or lost pregnancies, or a wide variety of negative outcomes for the mother in particular. While these treatments have helped many couples become pregnant that couldn't have conceived on their own due to structural or genetic issues, 
it has become the first recommended step in many cases when the foundations of health have been largely left unaddressed and the root cause of infertility has been dismissed or simply unexplored. And while it can serve as a miracle for some, it is incredibly expensive, takes a massive toll on physical and emotional health, and the success rate is around 25 to 30%, depending on what reference you look at. Fertility drugs have many side effects, including nausea, vomiting, headaches, cramping and mood swings, anxiety, and depression. I recently read a statistic on how infertility takes a high emotional toll on couples struggling with this dynamic. Women who've been diagnosed as infertile are much more likely to be depressed, and that depression tends to peak at about two years after trying to conceive a child. And the level of depression in terms of symptoms and intensity from infertility is indistinguishable in those women from those who have been diagnosed with cancer, heart disease, or HIV. While infertility is non-life-threatening, and these other three diagnoses are, that statistic is very sobering and concerning to me in terms of how we are supporting women and men who are struggling with infertility. So in my own practice, I see a lot of roadblocks in the fertility arena, and we are going to dive in and explore them today. The first one is that holistic or integrative approaches to infertility don't work or take too much time. The challenge here is our conventional medical model is not designed or equipped to keep or help people be healthy. It is a reactive model that's first line of defense is pharmaceuticals or invasive procedures. I generally find that women struggling with infertility are quite savvy in optimizing their health and become great researchers. They may think that they have the perfect fertility diet after listening to an influencer or reading a book written by someone that has navigated the infertility journey. Unfortunately, if they have not had their own lab testing done and been evaluated from a holistic functional medicine lens, then they are shooting darts at a dartboard blindly. And they might be doing really well with the diet, yet their stress is at an all-time high at work in their home life. Couples struggle with intimacy when sex becomes a job and they lose sight of why they are together in the first place. We have discussed this many times on this podcast, but each person is unique and not one diet works for everyone. Based upon certain genetics, some people need higher amounts of certain nutrients such as vitamin D, magnesium, iron, omegas, or antioxidants and phytonutrients. This is partly due to genetics and partly due to other factors such as stress level in one's life, for instance. People that have higher amounts of perceived stress have higher needs for B vitamins and antioxidants and phytonutrients to support their mitochondrial health. As a naturopath, many times I see women doing well with optimizing their nutrition, but they may be over-exercising or not getting enough sleep or not working on their stress or unresolved trauma in their life. I generally see imbalances in the body being tied back to a confluence of factors. A second roadblock I see happening in the infertility arena is assuming the female is the primary problem in initiating expensive labs and procedures without testing the male until much later in the process. This happens all the time, frankly. We know that the male plays a role 50% of the time in couples struggling with infertility, and some basic labs and a semen analysis can go a long way with getting to the root cause. This is where a holistic or personalized approach is important, and it is helpful to work with a practitioner that is thinking about this. As I discussed on the last podcast episode, I like to start my couples out with some comprehensive lab testing. 
For women, it is helpful to have a day three hormones in progesterone labs that are usually run around day 21, as this is when progesterone is peaking in the cycle. For the male, the semen analysis is helpful to have as well to assess volume and quality of a man's sperm. For both the male and female, I like to see some basic labs, including the CBC with differential, a metabolic panel, a lipid panel, thyroid panel, including TSH, free T4, free T3, TPO and thyroglobulin antibodies, a, blue, a blood glucose panel, including hemoglobin A1C, HSCRP, homocysteine, and an iron panel. Many infertility challenges can be corrected with diet and lifestyle changes. It can take about three to four months to start seeing significant improvements in egg and sperm quality. However, it can save you a lot of time and money overall. And let's be honest, you, you should strive to have your health optimized as we know that the parent's level of health at conception impacts not only their health, but that of their baby's health many years down the road. The third roadblock that I see for couples that are preparing for pregnancy include not getting help soon enough. The current standard of care is having couples less than 35 years of age wait one year before seeking help, while couples older than 35 years of age, the recommendation is six months. Unfortunately, this can really delay care, and for those that biological clocks are ticking, or for those that are getting closer to the age of 35 years, this needs to be addressed as soon as possible. I do feel like that this is, an, this is even as important as infertility rates continue to rise. As a previous conventional provider that spent many years working in the hospital model, I saw that most people simply lack the knowledge, insight, and accountability to improve their health. This is why I'm so passionate about community care. For years, these people would go to their annual fix physical checkups, and their blood glucose markers would continue to rise all the while being told that they're fine. And then one day they walk into their physician's office and they're diagnosed with full-blown diabetes with the suggested protocol to be put on the drug called metformin. I am the first one to tell you that disease does not happen overnight. But as a society, we are taught to suppress our physical symptoms with a barrage of band-aids and pills. So for all women out there who are listening right now, I implore you to listen to your body. For many of us, we begin to notice imbalances in our body as young girls. We might experience painful, debilitating periods at that time of month, mood swings, or acne. Some may even get diagnosed early on with PCOS or endometriosis. Let me make this clear. This is not normal, but we have been told that this is normal. From an advocacy standpoint, this is why I think it is really important for teenagers to know and understand their menstrual cycles from an anatomy and physiology standpoint. It is important for them to know that their period is a vital sign and when their fertile window is. This foundation can help offset challenges down the road, especially when they are ready to start trying for a family or working on optimizing their health and wellness. So if you're currently struggling with your cycle or fertility, I encourage you to find an integrated practitioner that can help you get the assistance that you need to optimize your health. If you have other imbalances in your body like thyroid, gut issues, or autoimmunity, I would address this prior to getting pregnant and work to reverse it to give you the best odds at conceiving a healthy baby and carrying that baby to term. The fourth roadblock that I commonly see is that women do not have a firm understanding of their menstrual cycles and fertile windows. The menstrual cycle is a window into your overall health status and can be thought of as the fifth vital sign 
along with blood pressure, body temperature, heart rate, and respiratory rate. This is how important this is, but probably talked about the least, especially with primary care providers. According to Courtney Mazak, a registered dietitian, she states, if your hormones could text you, you could hear from them on your period. If your period is super difficult or painful, their message would be in all caps, S-O-S. While your period is one phase of your cycle, it's the phase with the best cell service, a direct hotline between your hormones and the outside world. While the other phases of your cycle offer subtle, if any clues that are that they are happening, your period is loud, proud, and impossible to ignore, and it doesn't mince words. To put this very bluntly, there is a direct correlation with the manageable period or one that comes with ease and the time, energy, and money invested into our personal wellness. My professional experience has been those that have difficult perimenopause and menopausal transitions also had much, a much higher likelihood of difficult periods and challenges with fertility earlier. In Courtney's words, while checking your other vital signs ends with the medical bill, your period comes free of charge and it would serve you well to optimize your cycle as early as possible. So it is a fact that the average woman will menstruate for about seven years during her lifetime. Some of the most persistent misconceptions that I see are that irregularity every month is normal, super heavy cycles are part of the curse, severe period pain is the norm, so just shut up, you can't get pregnant when you're menstruating, and every girl on the planet needs to go on oral birth control to control periods and acne. In the U.S., menstruation is not always covered as part of sex education classes, and comprehensive sex education is only taught in about one-fifth of American middle schools. I do believe that education and advocacy is key here. I run a comprehensive group program in sisterhood called the Wild Collective that teaches women about their anatomy and physiology from a holistic lens, educates on conventional and functional labs, explores the natural treatment options that can help optimize health. It educates on the importance of the most pertinent health foundations, such as diet and nutrition, stress management, sleep, exercise, and hydration. Essentially, I teach you how to be your best advocate when it comes to your health. If this is of interest to you, get on my email list to stay in the loop on when I launch the next program. And back to what we're talking about. I do encourage my couples to start cycle tracking with a fertility-based awareness method early on in the fertility journey to get a feel for their body's natural rhythms. By tracking the three male main fertile signs, including cervical mu mucus, basal body temperature, and cervical position, you observe the changes over the course of your cycle and you can learn to discover when ovulation happens, when your fertile window is approaching, how long it is, and when you are not fertile, which is actually most of your cycle. It can also help you discover patterns that may indicate a need for deeper healing if something is off. This is a primary tool to improve body literacy and fosters an understanding of how your body works. This is important because with understanding comes empathy and knowledge, and with knowledge comes empowerment. I was talking to a friend recently that struggled with infertility for years, and she now has six kids. She stated that she was missing her ovulation window, and when she discovered she ovulated around day 20 instead of day 14, the babies just kept coming, which sheds light on one of the many misconceptions that we're taught 
in that ovulation occurs on the 14th day of the cycle, full stop. This varies with every woman as we are all different. There are some different ways to track BBTs, including the temperature method, the cervical mucus method, and the calendar method. Honestly, I feel that the symptothermal method is the most effective method as it combines two or three methods to prevent pregnancy or determine the fertile window. You can get ovulation predictor kits at the local drugstore or pharmacy or online, and some prefer to use the more advanced technology like UVA or Anito fertility trackers, so I encourage couples to do what works best for them. The Marquette method combines BBT and cervical mucus tracking with the use of an electronic hormonal fertility monitor. The monitor detects hormones in the urine to to confirm fertile days, but they are not foolproof. Honestly, I feel that the cheapest and safest bet with detection goes back to tracking your body's basal temps and cervical mucus. The fifth roadblock I see on the path to fertility is not knowing your unique genetics or genomics and how that may influence your health and fertility down the road. This one is very personal to me and part of my own wellness and fertility journey. This knowledge would have been very helpful for me when I got pregnant with my first child 22 years ago. I suddenly developed severe preeclampsia or high blood pressure at 28 weeks and delivered my Bailey at 28. Doctors were puzzled with why a seemingly healthy 22-year-old that was fit and healthy became so sick. I now know that it was a confluence of factors in a perfect storm, including my genetics, diet, and lifestyle choices at that time that put me over the edge. After I was told I would most likely never have more children, I was bound and determined to prove them all wrong. I dug into my own genetics and found that I had some genetic polymorphisms that put me at risk for frequent miscarriage in early preterm birth. I had much higher requirements for vitamin D, B12, and folate and did not process folic acid well. Some of my own genetic SNPs put me at increased risk for cardiovascular disease and blood clots and depression, anxiety, and cancer. I was able to create a wellness plan for myself that addressed my unique genetics through diet, lifestyle, and supplementation and went on to have five more healthy pregnancies and babies. So while we know that genetics loads the gun and lifestyle pulls the trigger, it can be extremely advantageous to know your genes and what you can do to play an active role in optimizing them for your health and that of your future babies. So we've covered a lot today as you work on optimizing your health and fertility, and I've shared some practical tips. Holistic or integrative fertility care can save you much time, money, and heartache in the investment will be for a lifetime, or if we think about the bigger picture, generations down the road. It is helpful to partner with a practitioner that can walk you through a comprehensive health history and thorough lab review and explain some action steps. It is equally important to address the female and the male's health health histories and lab results from the onset. On the fertility journey, time is of essence and it can take time to optimize one's health prior to conception, so keep this in mind. As discussed, it can take three to four months to optimize egg and sperm health. If you suspect that there's medical issues that can impact you or your partner's ability to get pregnant, I encourage you to find a trusted healthcare practitioner that can serve as a support and resource for you. As you optimize your health, spend some time charting your basal body temps and your body's natural rhythms to shed light on possible challenges for fertility optimization. And last but not least, consider doing some genetic or nutrigenomic testing to explore your unique health needs and what risk factors 
you may have that you can actively work on to decrease your diet. And last but not least, consider doing some genetic or nutrigenomic testing to explore your unique health needs and what risk factors you may have that you can actively work on to decrease through diet and lifestyle support. You made it to the end of the episode. Let's keep this gutsy wellness party going with some next steps to empower you along your wellness journey. In the show notes for this episode, you'll find a choose your own adventure list of links that will guide you from where you go next. From fertility and hormone success guides to the gutsy wellness membership to in-depth blog posts and discovery calls, you'll find everything you need to take your next gutsy step. Until the next episode, have an awesome, empowered day.